Coming up on the Swish Lake City podcast, we're going to be talking about Team USA, looking at some of the FIBA groups, um, as well as a little Q&A segment. Not too much. I asked on Twitter and only got a couple of responses, but it will be kind of a recurring thing. So if you do have questions, feel free to ask me them. Feel free to DM them to me on Twitter and we can sort that through. Coming up right after a word from our sponsor. And as always, to be able to access this sponsor, check the show notes for details. This episode of the Switch Lake City podcast is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. I want to tell you about the easiest way to get in on some action on the NBA. It's Underdog Fantasy and their pick'em game. Just pick higher or lower on your favorite or least favorite player stats and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players to fill out your pick entry, get every pick right, and take home some solid hard cash. Use the code SWISH, S-W-I-S-H, and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 by Underdog. That means if you pay $100, then they will match that $100 deposit, and you'll have $200 to put on fantasy games. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store. And don't forget to register with my promo code SWISH to get your fantasy, to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Sign up today with promo code SWISH and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. You must be 18 plus and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. In terms of why, concerned with your play, call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. All right, is it is it time to talk some Team USA? Look, it's August, so there's not a lot to talk about. As far as meaningful games, Team USA isn't even playing a lot of meaningful games. But the fact is, basketball is being played. We got football coming up this weekend. I think the first college football games are starting this weekend. We got NFL starting in just a couple of weeks. College football is going to be in full blast in just a couple of weeks. The FIBA World Cup starts this week. The sports world is about to get real interesting. And I'm excited about it. So, I don't know how many people got the chance to watch Team USA versus Germany on Sunday morning. Great game. Really fun. Uh, It was an exhibition game. I believe they played in Abu Dhabi as both teams are preparing to go to Manila in the Philippines. They played an exhibition game in Abu Dhabi. Team USA played Greece, um, I believe, two days before that. Yeah. So, watching that game, there's a couple things. First of all, it was a great game. Team Germany, Loki, has a solid squad. Um, it shouldn't be surprising because I feel like they have a history of putting together pretty decent international teams. Uh, this team is led by Dennis Schroeder, Daniel Tice, and then the Wagner brothers, Franz and Mo, who both play for the Orlando Magic. It's here, Here's just a thought. I think it's really interesting how some players that maybe you wouldn't consider stars in the NBA absolutely shine in FIBA play. I think Dennis Schroeder is one of those guys. Um, I wouldn't consider Dennis Schroeder a star. I don't I, Frankly, I don't know who would. I think he's put together a solid NBA career. And, hey, he probably should have taken that four-year, $84 million deal from the Lakers a couple of years ago. But he's had a solid NBA career. Uh, Played great for the Thunder that one year. 
played good for the Atlanta Hawks for a couple of years, played great for the Lakers last year. I think he's a solid NBA player. I'm looking forward to seeing what he will do for the Toronto Raptors this next year. But he is a guy that absolutely has shined on the World Cup stage. Um, and I realize that the World Cup games haven't started, that we're playing friendly games, uh, we're watching friendly games. So, you know, you don't want to say like, okay, he's shined because you could get to group play and maybe he's not playing super well. I just think it's fun that you're getting this opportunity to see some of these guys in different situations. You get to see guys like Dennis Schroeder as like the number one option. I think it's a totally fascinating dynamic to be able to see how some of them operate. And it does make you wonder whether or not some of these guys should be in different situations or could thrive in different situations. I even think we saw a little bit of this with Larry Markkinen, who thrived in Eurobasket last year. But before that, you were thinking of him as a role player. You weren't thinking of him as, you know, could he be the best player on a 37-win team? I don't think that's what the line of thinking was. So it's just interesting. Those are little things you keep an eye on, especially once a competitive play starts to ramp up. There's a couple of things I want to talk about with Team USA versus Germany. I think some insights that we can take. Um, also, just some direction. So first, we're going to start, start with Team USA. The first thing I was thinking about during this game is been the Halliburton versus Brunton. Brunson? Jeez, Brunson. Tyrese Halliburton, who I think is a good NBA player and who is going to be a star, played really well. Jalen Brunson is also a good NBA player who is kind of like right on flirting with that all-star type of caliber player. You know, he's a guy that isn't necessarily getting all NBA votes, but he's a really good player. And he absolutely shined in the playoffs last year, especially against Cleveland. Like Jalen Brunson, let's be clear, is a really good NBA player who's just on that cusp of being a star. So a lot of the debate around Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson, in my eyes, has come from Tyrese Halliburton having some better performances. And overall, I think Tyrese Halliburton is probably a better fit for this Team USA squad. So if you kind of look at this Team USA squad, especially their starters, you have Jaron Jackson Jr. at the five. Um, then you've played, I don't know, I guess you could say Mikel Bridges is the four, Brandon Ingram. Uh, they're kind of there on the wings, along with Anthony Edwards at the two. And then your one has been Jalen Brunson. So that's Jaron Jackson Jr. He's not necessarily a create for others type of guy. I think he has passing abilities, but that's not necessarily where he thrives. He is a guy that can score, though. And he's a guy that thrives when he is put in the right situations. I think especially like some of his post-ups have been really impressive and it wasn't something I was necessarily aware of. I think it's something that's been crucial in his player development coming out of college. I remember watching him in the summer league versus the Utah jazz a couple of years ago. And I remember like, okay, the three point shot, that's going to be legit. That's going to be something that translates. The shot blocking is going to be something that translates to the next level. For him to be a, the type of interior scorer that he is, I think totally sets him up to have a really good career um, and to possibly just be like, honestly, top 15 player in the NBA, combining that with the defense, the shooting, 
he's going to be really hard to guard and really hard to score against. So all of that to say, uh, I'm, I'm looking at Anthony Edwards, score first guy. Brandon Ingram, score first guy. Mikael Bridges, I wouldn't necessarily label Mikael Bridges as a creator. He's probably more of a scorer. I think that's what comes more naturally for him. So you start to look at these guys, uh, the guys on Team USA, and I think it's pretty safe to say that Jalen Brunson is also more of a score first guy. I think that's where his instincts lie. And so the question is, in order to optimize this roster, is there a debate for Tyrese Halliburton to be the starting point guard, to be the guy that closes games, versus Germany, who is the guy that closed the game? Uh, I thought that was a great call by Steve Kerr and the coaching staff, considering he was also the guy that got Team USA back into that game. They were down about 16. Halliburton comes in, hits a couple threes, makes great passes. Him and Anthony Edwards start to get going, and Team USA eventually wins the game, right? So that's kind of there, there's kind of that aspect to it where I just think Tyrese Halliburton probably does a better job at maximizing his teammates. Um, I think he will be somebody that can set up Ingram, Bridges, Anthony Edwards, Jaron Jackson Jr. in a better way than Jalen Brunson can. I believe Jalen Brunson has the starting spot because he has been sort of the quote unquote leader of this team. Um, When we were first hearing about like these practices and hearing from the coaches, a lot of them were saying, okay, Jalen Brunson, he is the leader. He is going to be the guy. Uh, he's the guy that we're going to trust um, to kind of lead this squad. Great. I, I, I personally had no problem with that. I thought that was fine. Um, if he's a guy that has established himself as a leader, then that's great. But let's not forget, he's also the guy that... He didn't win like the, they gave Jaron Jackson Jr. some award during their practices, during those, uh, their scrimmages with the select team, which essentially voted him as like the best player. Like he's the guy on the team. And then you have this whole Anthony Edwards equation. So as far as leadership, like I do think Jalen Brunson adds probably a more mature presence than where Anthony Edwards and Jaron Jackson Jr. are just because those two guys are younger. He, Jalen Brunson also has championship experience during his time with Villanova. He's played in big games. He's won big games in the NBA. Uh, he's gone to the conference finals, won games with the Knicks. Like, it's not an indictment. To, uh, it's, I think it's totally fine that Jalen Brunson was the leader, you know? But I also don't think Team USA is necessarily lacking in leadership. Team USA has also made it clear that going forward, Anthony Edwards is probably going to be the guy. Right, and we're gonna get a little bit more into Anthony Edwards. All this to say, though, I, I think the reason they started Jalen Brunson and the reason they're probably continue to start Jalen Brunson is because of that on court leadership that they need. Um, and I imagine that that coaching staff is looking at Jalen Brunson and saying, okay, he's the guy. He's gonna be the guy that will lead this team on the court. That'll get guys riled up. Here's the thing, though. We just watched a game versus Germany where Team USA was looking very bad. They weren't playing their best basketball. Defensively, not great. Offensively, even worse. 
And then they put Tyrese Halliburton in. And Tyrese Halliburton completely changes the tide of that game. I also just, like I said, I think he's the better basketball fit around Bridges, Anthony Edwards, Ingram, Jared Jackson Jr. Four guys who I think should be starting, who should be starting and maybe closing games. I'm not totally sure about Ingram. But I do think Jaron Jackson Jr., Anthony Edwards, and Mikael Bridges, because of their two-way abilities, should be starting and closing games. Tyrese Halliburton is a guy that can kind of tie that all up together. He also just fits the identity of this Team USA. We've talked about this before on this podcast because part of examining why Walker Kessler isn't playing is examining Team USA's identity. And Team USA has clearly identified themselves as a team that wants to get out. They want to run. They want to have whoever gets the ball get out in transition, pass, make the right play, go fast, go fast, right? Who's better to set that up than Tyrese Halliburton uh, on this on this roster? I think he's the best passer on this roster. I also think some of the passes he makes in transition, some of the passes he makes in the full court are just ridiculously good. It seems like he always makes the right read. I'll be honest, like I wasn't, I'm not watching the Pacers on a night to night basis. So seeing things with Tyrese Halliburton, I'm learning more and more about him. One of the things I've learned about him though, is he has some gravity as a driver and he just, he makes the right plays. I think Jalen Brunson also makes the right plays generally, but I don't know if the right plays that he makes are better than the right plays that Tyrese Halliburton makes because the right plays that Jalen Brunson makes are usually plays for himself where he's scoring, where he is getting to a certain spot to be able to score. I think that's great. Tyrese Halliburton maximizes the team though. And so I think that's the debate you have to look at. You got to be, you got to be looking at, okay, Jalen Brunson, incredibly good player played in big games. Like I said, can score from anywhere, knows how to get to his spots, super crafty versus Tyrese Halliburton, who's a guy that can set up his teammates, that can get out in transition, that can shoot from the three. So he was providing some space, has a lot of gravity as a passer, as a driver, is always just making the right read, it seems like. I feel like that's got to be the move. The next debate when you're looking at this Team USA squad is who's the guy. Uh, I think going into the, the training camps, you were kind of wondering. And I felt like it was almost labeled before. Like we were given a lot of hints about who the guy was going to be. And if you've been following the NBA, if you've been following Team USA in the past, you probably knew that a lot of what was going on with this team was going to be able to set up Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards has been ridiculously good. So let's 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 read off the stats versus um, Germany because I thought that was his best game. I don't think that's too controversial to say that that game against Germany was his best game. So he finished with 34 points, six rebounds. Here's, here's the most impressive stat to me. So he's efficient from the field, efficient from three, but he was a plus 37 in a game that they won by like six, eight, I think. Plus 37. So that just means the Team USA was winning while he was on the court. There's also, so let's talk a little bit about his play. Then let's talk about kind of like some of the intangible stuff, because I think uh, there's some really interesting things there. So as far as the play goes, like, like I said, he's, I thought he was playing great. 
Um, one of some of the things that I've been looking for in Anthony Edwards for him to be able to take sort of that next leap has been his pull up threes. Um, because he shoots those a lot. Like you'll watch watch one of the Timberwolves games and Anthony Edwards a lot of times, like when he gets tired or just when his team is needing a little boost of offense or when he just feels like it, he's going to take a pull up three. The other thing is playing in the post. So he's, he's not like, I wouldn't label him as like a beefy player, but he's somebody that should be able to take advantage of certain matchups in the post. Um, specifically if you have a, a smaller guard playing on him. And so in this FIBA setting where you're playing a lot of teams that have smaller guards, especially if you're playing Anthony Edwards at the two, you're going to be going against a lot of smaller twos. That's going to be a really good opportunity for him to be able to post up and get to different spots, which hopefully should be able to open up other parts of the floor, um, specifically the rim creation, because I think that's where you want Anthony Edwards taking like 60% of his shots. I think you want him to be going at the rim as much as he can because he's such a spectacular, incredible rim finisher. Like that's where you want him to be able to be taking most of his shots, right? So for him to be able to, one, shoot pull-up threes, and two, play in the post, that's going to open up more things for him. Okay, also, I, I, I want to talk about this one play because it was so ridiculous. It jumped out. Um, he catches the, so there's one play. I can't remember who passes him the ball, but he catches the ball. He's in the key. Uh, he's cutting and he takes probably, a, he takes one step, I think, and then just elevates and posters one of the players on Germany. Like it was kind of one of the most ridiculous dunks I've seen because there's no dribble. Uh, there's no like run up. Like he catches the ball. He's basically standing still and just elevates ridiculously high. I would love to see him in the dunk contest. I would just, I would pay to see that. But what he has done for team USA through these five exhibition games, he has clearly labeled himself as the number one guy. He's the go-to guy. He's going to be the guy that you go to at the end of games. That's going to make the right plays. That's going to hit big shots. Um, he had two post-ups, two sort of turnaround jumpers that stood out. One of them was very eerily, eerily similar to Michael Jordan because um, he posted up. He just has so much hang time on his when whenever he takes a jump shot, similar to MJ, who just had so much hang time that it was impossible to block, impossible to guard at times. So he's on kind of like the left side of the court. He pops up takes a shot, and he readjusts in the air. He readjusts his shot, his shooting motion, and it goes in. And it's like, okay, that's something that you've seen Michael Jordan do. Michael Jordan's like one of the only guys that is able to get that much elevation, that much hang time, to where he's able to readjust his shot, to adjust to the defender, to adjust to the angle of the basket, and make it go in. So those those are kind of like some of the on-court things with Anthony Edwards that I think make him such a special player. Um, even more impressive to me are some of the things that just some of the way he carries himself. Uh, everybody saw the video. I'm sure everybody saw the video. 
the video of him dunking on Jaron Jackson Jr. in practice. I mean, it wasn't like necessarily a poster, but Jaron Jackson Jr. doesn't jump. And Anthony Edwards says something along the lines of, you're the defensive player of the year. You're supposed to jump with me, you know? I love that trash talk. I I am such a big fan of that. I think it it play and not, not just that trash talk, but like that competitiveness. The same guy you saw in Hustle, whatever his what was his name, Kermit, something. In that movie, Hustle with that that Adam Sandler movie, he's that's the same guy he is on the court, and I think that's so special. He's just somebody that he's gonna get in your head. He's gonna get in the opponent's heads. He's gonna talk. That's gonna get his teammates riled up. That's gonna get him riled up. He's going to be somebody that responds to competitiveness. I I personally am, I'm just, I'm becoming the biggest Anthony Edwards fan. It has been a pleasure to watch him. I'm really excited to see what he can do once the competitive play actually starts, because I do think teams are going to try to limit him and they're going to try to take some of the things away. They're going to try to take him out of games. Um, especially if he's going to be the guy that can be sort of a deciding factor for Team USA on some in some games. I think teams are going to do everything they can to take away from that. I, his ascension to the next level, his ascension to being sort of that superstar guy could be defined this summer. I don't think it will be necessarily, but this summer could be really big for him. If, if they go out, win the World Cup, then... You're probably looking at him as like one of those guys that you could envision as being the face of the league, especially if the league shifts towards wanting an American guy. Then I think he's going to be a guy that's poised to do that because of just his aura, uh, the the ego, the competitiveness. Like it's so attractive. Is it, it's kind of like I'm look, I'm a 23 year old. I feel like I'm getting a little glimpse of what it was like to watch Michael Jordan live in person you know it's just it's such a different experience than watching michael jordan on like the last dance like you can get a feel for some of that competitiveness but to be able to see like that aura that um ability to just shine among other stars like i think that's really special so kevin durant i believe it was maybe 2010 or 2014 when team usa played in one of these world cups uh, he was the only guy on that team that averaged more than 10 points per game, and he averaged like 22. I want to see the same thing from Anthony Edwards. And I think if he's able to do a similar thing to that, then he could possibly get to a similar level as far as like superstardom as where Kevin Durant was. And that's a, that's a, look, that's a tall ask. Uh, that's a lot of pressure to put on a guy that is only just starting his fourth year in the NBA, hasn't even started. But at the same time, I think Anthony Edwards is one of those guys that is capable of that. Coming up, we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about each player on Team USA. I'm gonna be ranking them, um, and then after that, we're gonna talk about the FIBA World Cup groups. Okay, looking looking at Team USA, I'm gonna list out the roster right now. So you got Bobby Portis, Walker Kessler, Cam Johnson, Josh Hart, Paula Boncaro, Jalen Brunson, Austin Reeves, Brandon Ingram, Tyrese Halliburton, Mikael Bridges. Jaron Jackson Jr. and Anthony Edwards. Now, I've teased a little bit to this in the opening, but I'm going to be ranking each of these players um, based on who I would want the most, 
there's no like set criteria. I think it's just who I think is the best and who's going to be the best in a year. Um, so I guess we'll just start from the bottom. We'll start number 12. I have Bobby Portis. Look, I like Bobby Portis. I think Bobby Portis is so fun. The 2021 NBA Finals where the Bucks were playing the Suns, that just that whole playoff run from Bobby Portis was a lot of fun. At the same time, though, I don't think he's the best player on this roster. I think he's a really good player. Don't get me wrong. But he's also a guy that comes off the bench for the Milwaukee Bucks. He's not a guy that starts for them. And he's very valuable off the bench. He's valuable in his role. His role as a create as a shot creator, somebody that can go out and just get a bucket, give you a lot of energy, make some hustle plays, get your team riled up. Like Bobby Portis, he executes his role almost perfectly. I think he's a really good NBA player. Definitely like in the top half of NBA players, right? He's also on a team with all-stars, with guys that have like really promising futures. So I don't think it's crazy to say to put him at number 12. Um, I also just, I, as far as like his skill set, I kind of talked about this a little bit, but I don't think he has like the best skill set out of this group. He's a guy that goes in, he takes a lot of deep twos. I like, I, I'm conflicted about it because it's kind of like the Jordan Clarkson experience um, where Jordan Clarkson, he takes some shots that he probably shouldn't take. And he also makes some of those shots. And I think you get some of that experience with Bobby Portis where he takes some shots. He makes some plays that he probably shouldn't make, but because he's Bobby Portis, he kind of gets away with it. And because that's usually like what his team needs, but then you start to like dive into some of the efficiencies um, start to watch like some of where he's shooting from, where he's scoring from, how he's scoring. And I just don't think it's overly impressive at the end of the day. Like it's not a bad thing to be the 12th best player on team USA coming in at number 11. I have Josh Hart. Look, I'm, I'm a Josh Hart fan. Uh, Josh Hart won me over this last year. His play um, in the first round of the Eastern conference playoffs versus the Cleveland Cavaliers and just everything he did for that New York Knicks team. I think he is an incredibly valuable player. A lot of players like they just have to find the right situation. I thought Josh Hart has been in various situations that you could debate were the right situation. And I think that speaks to his versatility as a player. Um, Look, the guy, he's not like the best scorer in the world. He's not the best passer in the world. But he is a guy who goes out, he plays really hard, and it seems like he always makes the right plays, and those plays are so timely. Uh, I think we saw a little bit of that in the playoffs where he would maybe hit a big shot when he needed to, or he would elevate his offense to a level that we hadn't really seen before. Um, Like I think some of those games versus the Cavs, you hadn't really seen him shoot like that. You hadn't seen him be that prolific of a scorer. But Josh Hart went out and he played really good versus the Cavs. And I think the biggest value add he adds is on the defensive end, right? And to me, so much of defense is being able to fit within a system, to be able to make the right reads, make the right plays, about timing, all these little things that I think Josh Hart excels at. Uh, I also think as a rebounder, he is incredibly talented, especially what when you look at his size. Like, the guy's only 6'5", 6'6". 
it, but he rebounds like he's a six nine guy, and I think that's incredibly impressive. I I'm just overly impressed with Josh Hart. I I had I've thought this for a while. Like I thought he was a good player when he was playing for the Lakers, when he was playing for the Pelicans, when he was playing for the Trailblazers. Um, I really think New York is a fun situation for him though. And I love what he adds to this Team USA team. I think it's absolutely what they need. Uh, throwing a guy that can be a connector on offense and can be a really impactful piece on defense that will go out and make really good plays that will make the extra play that maybe some of the other guys can't or don't. Um, somebody that just knows his role. I think that's really valuable on a team with a lot of stars. And I think it's sort of exemplary for him to be that kind of a player on this team. So I'm I'm really excited about I I love Josh Hart I think he's a great player, uh, I have him at number eleven on when you ranking Team USA, coming in at number ten. Look, I got Jazz fans. I know this is this is the segment you've been waiting for. I got Walker Kessler at number ten. Um, I'm I'm confused about why Walker Kessler isn't playing more, and I tried to dive into it. I tried to understand like. Team USA's identity, what Walker Kessler looks like right now. His play versus Greece, if it showed me one thing, it's that he can play and that he should play. That he is absolutely the kind of guy that Team USA is going to need, not just on a situational basis, but there's a lot of ways he can contribute and add to the game. So he played 16 minutes in that game versus Greece, shot three of five from the field for uh, seven points. He had three rebound, five rebounds, one assist, one block. I thought he just played good. Yeah, I think he also had a steal. Yep. I thought he played really good that game. Um, and he adds an element to this Team USA team that they don't really have that I think they desperately need in their backup unit and that they will need at times. Um, I really like Walker Kessler. And look, I've we're going to talk more about Walker Kessler. It's going to be... October before you know it. And we're going to be talking about Walker Kessler probably on a weekly basis. So I don't want to spend too much time on Walker Kessler, but I do think he adds some things to this team USA team. As far as being an offensive rebounder, being a shot blocker, that is very valuable for this team. So I have Walker Kessler at number 10 and maybe it's controversial to put him ahead of Bobby Portis and Josh Hart. Look, those two guys, they're guys that, are on competitive teams that have won playoff games. They've both had their moments in the NBA where where I think people are like, okay, that's a legit NBA player. I don't think Walker Kessler has necessarily gained the favor of the public like those two have, and maybe not even gained the favor of Team USA and some of the coaches like those two have. But I do think Walker Kessler, as far as looking at somebody with the ceiling, um, looking at people's player ceilings on this team and looking at where they are right now, I think Walker Kessler is debatably, if not clearly, ahead of Josh Hart and Bobby Portis. Another player who, look, okay, number nine, Cam Johnson. I have Cam Johnson at number nine. Um, I, I'm, I've been impressed with Cam Johnson. I think he is a high-quality NBA player high quality role player. He's one of those guys that you could put on any team and he would make them better. Um, the shooting, the defense, the size, 
I think it's all really impressive. So my thing with Cam Johnson, though, is the age. Um, that's why I'm hesitant to put him a little bit higher, but higher than like Paul Bunker or Austin Reeves, as well as the creation. Um, I haven't seen like a ton of creation out of Cam Johnson, mostly for Team USA. He's and this is probably his role. He's just been kind of like a spot up shooter. I thought with the Suns last year, um, when they were going through some of their injury um, phases, and then with the Nets, he showed more. And so, uh, it look the guy he's he's on Team USA. He's probably like the ninth, tenth best player, and his role isn't necessarily to be a creator when they have other creators. So I think for him to just be a guy that spots up, plays good defense, that's totally fine. The thing is, Cam Johnson excels at both of those things, and he's been really good at them for Team USA. Um, I was a big fan of the addition of Cam Johnson when they first announced the rosters. Uh, I thought he was a guy similar to Josh Hart, who just knows his role, who would be able to fit that role. He's also played a lot of competitive basketball, and he's played in playoffs. He's played in competitive scenarios um, that I think make him a good fit. I also am a, a, a big fan of the size. I think for him to be as big as he is and as good of a shooter and defender as he is, is super valuable. So I have Cam Johnson at number nine. At number eight, I have Paulo Bancaro. And I was kind of debating between Cam Johnson and Paulo Boncaro, trying to decide which of the two I was a bigger fan of. Um, so I'm, I'm going to start with this question before I talk too much about Paulo Boncaro. But when you're looking at the centers for Team USA, so you got the Olympics next year, right? Is Team USA prepared to walk into the Olympics next year with Paulo Boncaro as the backup center? I think that's something to think about because you look at other American centers. I think you have Bam Adebayo. Will he play? I don't know. You probably feel just fine about Jaron Jackson Jr. And I think this summer is going to be big for him as far as uh, his, him solidifying his spot in like the Olympics and how they view him. And I think he's done an excellent job so far. Um, but outside of that, you start to look at like other American centers. It's like, it's kind of grim, grim out there. Like, I don't think you're going to put Brooke Lopez on this team. Um, you got Walker Kessler, and that's fine. But maybe that's going to be even better in 2028 when Walker Kessler has developed more, become, become an even better defensive center. So does Team USA trust Paulo Boncaro to be like a backup five? Like, is that how they envision him? Is that going to be his role in the NBA? Absolutely not. That's not going to be his role. I think Paulo Boncaro hasn't been totally optimized and put in the right situations. I think it's been the right situation for the team. I don't think it's been the right situation for him. I'm really high on Paulo Ancaro. I think him being the number one pick uh, last year was the right decision. And he is an impressive scorer. He's not the most efficient scorer, but look, what rookie is a historically efficient scorer? I don't think any of them are, right? I think he's somebody that can score from all three phases. Uh, from the three mid-range at the basket. I've also been impressed at times with his defense. I think it probably needs work, but you have to understand at the same time he's playing an entirely different role, a role that he didn't play in college. He didn't play his first season in the NBA. He probably didn't play a ton of it in high school. I'm not too familiar with his high school game. 
but this is a new role for Paula, new role for Paula Boncaro. And I thought he's done fine in it. Uh, like overall, I, I think you, you could look at it if you had to grade it, give it like a C plus B minus grade, right? It's been fine. So why do I have him? Because the, the way I'm talking about him, you're probably like, okay, you're not really getting into like any of his strengths. Why do you have him above Cam Johnson, Walker Kessler, Josh Hart, Bobby Portis, four guys that you just praised? I think it's just because of his versatility. Um, I think there's going to be a game where off the bench, you're going to have Paul Boncaro at the five. He's going to be able to stretch the floor and he's going to look really good doing it. If I had to bet out of like those five guys, which of them has the most superstar potential? Obviously, it's Paulo Boncaro. If I have to bet in the entire team, like which guys are going to be the superstars, which are going to have the highest peaks, I'm like, it's Anthony Edwards, Jaron Jackson Jr., Tyrese Halliburton, and Paulo Boncaro. And I don't really know how you debate for any of those other guys ahead of him. Still super young. I think the main reason he's probably on this FIBA World Cup team is for them to was for them to solidify his spot on USA and make him eligible to play for Italy, which would have been fun. I would have loved that for our boy Simone Fontecchio. But I think ultimately that was probably the decision to have Paul Moncaro on Team USA. Okay, number seven, I have Austin Reeves. Look, I threw this comparison on Twitter the other day. Uh, is Austin Reeves? No. Yes, it's Austin Reeves, the modern-day Jeff Hornacek. I think he is, guys. I think I really do think he is. So Jeff Hornacek, I've gained an immense appreciation for him while watching, going through old jazz highlights. He was a guy that could score from anywhere and could score in a lot of different ways. Uh, The shooting was really good. He was also a guy that, look, this wasn't his role on the jazz um, because he was playing alongside one of the greatest point guards to ever live. But he was a guy that could handle the ball and could create for others. And you saw that when he was with Phoenix, when he was with Philadelphia for a brief stint. Like, he, he was playing point guard for a lot of those games. I think Austin Reeves is super similar. Uh, as far as being, like, a crafty player that can shoot, that can shoot from a lot of different spots, um, that can create for others. Like, Austin Reeves, realize you got to realize he's playing with LeBron James, so he's not necessarily getting a ton of on-ball reps. Um, but he is getting a lot. And one, one thing that I like, I'm just looking at next season because I am so anxious for the next NBA season, but I think Austin Reeves is going to have a lot of ball handling duties on that Los Angeles Lakers team. And I think he's going to thrive doing it. I think the combination of him and Tyrese Halliburton has been a really big plus for team USA. And I think that's the one argument to keep Tyrese Halliburton on the bench because those two have played so well together. If you're closing games, I think you actually want Austin Reeves on the floor um, because it just seems like he makes the right play. He doesn't back down from the moment. He is always like ready to step up. Like, man, that that dunk that he had towards the end of regulation versus Germany. Um, you get him on the fast break with Tyrese Halliburton. Austin Reeves dunks it. Tyrese Halliburton jumps. Paul Boncaro is skipping. That was just a lot of fun. And I think Austin Reeves has sort of like this enigma, this aura that makes him a lot of fun. And like I said, he just, he doesn't back down from the moment. And so I think that's really fun. Um, I have Austin Reeves at number seven on this list. 
At number six, I have Jalen Brunson. I got into Jalen Brunson a little bit. Uh, I just, I'm not like the biggest fan of his style as a player. I think it does lead to winning basketball. I think he is a winner. He's somebody that will figure out how to win on a game-to-game basis. I think he's also a really good passer. And that's something maybe I didn't talk about too much on the open. But I think Jalen Brunson thrives as a passer and thrives as a lead guard. My issues with him is just like I couldn't put him above any of the other players above him because he's shorter. He's more of a defensive liability. Um, I don't think he has as much. His game isn't like as cohesive. Um, It's not as much of a fit for the modern game as some of these other guys above him, specifically Tyrese Halliburton. Number five, I have Brandon Ingram. I like Brandon Ingram. I think he's fun. I don't know what I don't look. I don't. I don't know how good of a player Brandon Ingram is. I think he's an All Star. I think he is on that caliber of, play, uh, of team of player. Excuse me. I just don't think he's necessarily above that threshold. Um, and the way some people talk about him, they do think he is above that threshold. They view him as Kevin Durant. I think Brandon Ingram has a lot of limitations. Um, and you also have to realize like he's being thrust into a different role where he isn't playing on ball a ton. Like he's playing a lot of off ball and that's probably an adjustment for him to just kind of be like a spot up shooter or cutter. I don't know if it's like the best role for him at the end of the day, being number five on this list is not a bad thing at all. And Brandon Ingram is a, a really good player that is a, an incredibly talented scorer. I just personally, I don't value what he does as much as the top four. Number four, I have Tyrese Halliburton. I talked a, a lot about it, so I'm not going to get too much into it. I just, I think he's just such a dynamic player. Um, the way he is able to play in different phases of the, of the game, in the half court, in the full court, and the way he can create for others. Like, I think this guy is going to be a superstar. I would not be surprised at all if the Indiana Pacers make the playoffs the next year, if Tyrese Halliburton leads the league in assists. Like, I think he's due for a big season, a competitive and winning season. I love what Indiana is doing. I think they have a really bright future. And I think Tyrese Halliburton is at the center of that. Um, as far as like Team USA play, He's just been really good for Team USA. It seems like he balls out in every single game. He scores efficiently. He makes a lot of the right plays, a lot of the right passes. And like, I, like I've said over and over again, he maximizes his teammates. At number three, I have Mikel Bridges. Uh, this might be a little bit surprising. You might be like, okay, Brandon Ingram has made all-star, all-star games. Mikel Bridges hasn't. I... I think Mikael Bridges, similar to Tyrese Halliburton, is going to have a really big year next year. We got a taste of that after he was traded from the Phoenix Suns to the Brooklyn Nets in that Kevin Durant trade. And Mikael Bridges was looking like an all-star. And he solidified himself as a number one option for that Brooklyn Nets team to the point where he's essentially untouchable and they wouldn't talk about him in a trade for Damian Lillard. Mikhail Bridges has elevated himself to that level of borderline star. And when you combine his two-way ability with 
what he's done offensively throughout like the last six months, I think it he's going to be one of the best players in the NBA. Like I, I, that doesn't mean he's going to be a top ten, maybe not even top fifteen player, but I do think as far as value, Mikhail Bridges is going to be one of the most valuable players in the NBA because of what he does on both sides. Jaron Jackson Jr. I have him at number two, and I was flip flopping between him and Anthony Edwards. Um, I talked about JJJ. I talked about Triple J. I think he just has so much more potential than I gave him credit for. And I would not be surprised if by the end of this next season, we're looking at him as a top 10 player in the NBA. Um, Some of the things I've seen defensively, like it's kind of otherworldly. And my question is like, is Memphis doing right by him by playing him with Steven Adams? when they could be playing him with like a different four, somebody that could stretch the floor even more. Are they doing right by their team, their offense? I'd, ultimately, I'm not the guy making those decisions, but I do think there is something special about Jaron Jackson Jr. playing the five, being the hub of the defense, being the guy that essentially is quarterbacking the defense. He's done an excellent job at it in FIBA play. He had six blocks versus Germany. He is such a talented shot blocker, uh, reigning defensive player of the year. Like, I think Jaron Jackson Jr. has another level to him. I think we're going to see that. He's really good. Number one is Anthony Edwards. I just, man, I, I'm I'm trying to stay away from like, okay, this is recency bias. This is because of one good game versus Germany. But this has been something that's been building for a while. I thought we saw this... Um, in the playoffs versus Denver. Like the guy, they're down 3 0 and he's or 2 0, and he's just like, okay, we're gonna go get one in Denver. I think they win game three versus Denver. And look, they they lost in five, so whoop de doo, you know. But I just think uh, I think this guy, he has the makings of a superstar. He's still young, he still has a lot to learn. But I also think he's going to be put in really good situations. And I do think he is the go-to guy on this Team USA. Coming up, coming up, we're going to talk about the FIBA World Cup groups. So I want to get into the format of FIBA, FIBA basketball. Kind of explain a little bit about how it works. Um, what to expect in the World Cup. Games start this Friday. Uh, I hope everybody's excited because it's going to be a lot of fun. So here, here's how it works. So you got your first round is the group phase, right? So in group phase, there are essentially groups A through H. In group A, you have Angola, the the Dominican Republic, the Philippines, and Italy. In group B, you have Serbia, China, Puerto Rico, and South Sudan. In group C, you have USA, Greece, New Zealand, Jordan. In group D, you have Lithuania, Montenegro, Mexico. In group E, man, I'm missing one on group D. Uh, And Egypt, sorry. Group E, you have Germany, Australia, Finland, Japan. Group F, Slovenia, Georgia, Cape Verde, Venezuela. Group G, you have Spain, Brazil, Iran, Cote d'Ivoire. And Group H, Canada, France, Latvia, and Lebanon. Okay, so as far as the format and how that works, so you first have your group phase, your first round. And there are eight groups of four teams, all those teams that I just listed, and each team plays the three teams in its group. Then in the second group, uh, in the second group phase, 
those groups change. Uh, the first and second places from Group A and from Group B form to f- form to create Group I, and then Group C, Group D form Group J. Group E, Group F form Group K, and Group G, Group A form Group L. Okay, so you go through two phases of group phase, and then you play another three games. So let's say you make it that far, then you've played six games. The final phase, and this will start September 5th through 10th, you have your quarterfinals, you get to the single elimination aspect of it. So you have first from group I versus second from group J, first from group K versus second from group L, first from group J versus second from group I, first from group L versus second from group K. So essentially you want to be a top two seed in every group phase, in both group phases, and then you get to the single elimination and then there's winner, there's a game for third place, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this. Uh, looking at the groups, uh, I'll, I'll talk about a couple teams that I think are interesting. First is the Dominican Republic. So they have Carl Anthony Towns, Lester Quinones, LJ Figueroa. Those are the NBA guys that I was able to see. Uh, I asked some Dominicans on Twitter, like, yo, why isn't Horford or Duarte playing? Got some really hilarious responses. But the bottom line is uh, Chris Duarte might have been married or he has obligations with Sacramento. So he's not able to play with the DR. And Al Horford just doesn't want to. And there's a lot of resentment towards Al Horford, and it's kind of hilarious. Uh, Philippines, you got Jordan Clarkson, Italy, Simone Fontecchio, and Nicola Melli. Sir, so that's that's Group A, right? I think it's going to be come down between Italy and the Dominican Republic. Um, the Philippines does just doesn't have a great team outside of Jordan Clarkson. Group B, you got Serbia, China, Puerto Rico, South Sudan. South Sudan went 11 and 1 in AfroBasket. Really impressive. Serbia has Bogdan Bogdanovic, Nikola Jovic. They're obviously missing the reigning NBA champion, Nikola Jokic. China has Kyle Anderson, Zuki, and Puerto Rico. I'm not sure if Jose Alvarado is playing or not, but he is on that team. Uh, I think this will be a, an interesting group to watch. I don't expect South Sudan to win this group, but at the same time, their program has been hot. Um, Luol Deng is the GM of that South Sudan team. And they got Wendy and Gabriel on the team, as well as I think a couple other like border NBA, borderline NBA guys. So very interesting. Group C: USA, Greece, New Zealand, Jordan. I think it's between USA and Greece. Uh, group D: Lithuania, Lithuania. They have Valanciunas and Mundagas Kuzminkas, who played for the New York Knicks a couple years ago. Montenegro has Nikola Vucevic. Um, I think it's going to come down between those two, and I would expect Lithuania to come out. Group E, Germany, Australia, Finland, Japan. I think this is the best group in out of all the groups. Uh, Germany, you have Schroeder, the Wagner brothers, Daniel Tice. Australia, you have Dyson Daniels, Josh Giddy, Dante Axum, Josh Green, Joe Ingles, Matisse Thibel, Patty Mills, Jack White. Like That's a lot of NBA players. Finland, you have Laurie Markkinen. Japan, you have Yuta Watanabe. This is the best group. And I think it's going to be absolutely brutal for Finland playing Australia and Germany, two very good teams, but I'm excited to see what Laurie Marketing can do. Group F, you have Slovenia, Georgia, Cap Verde, and Venezuela. I think Slovenia is going to come out of this, Luca and Shooters. Group G, you've got Spain, Brazil, Iran, and then the Cote d'Ivoire. 
Uh, I think Spain probably comes out because Spain's been really good, but Brazil is also interesting. And then Group H, you got Canada, France, Latvia, and Lebanon. Canada and France are probably going to come out of this group, but Latvia has Davis Bertans. So if you just get one hot game out of Davis Bertans, then it's going to be interesting. Okay, we've ran through that. That was all really monotonous. Um, I'm excited about the FIBA World Cup. I think there are a lot of really good teams playing, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. That groupie is brutal. I feel for Larry Markkinen. I hope and pray that Finland can get through there. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Swish Lake City podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to show the podcast some support. If you go to my Spotify for Podcasters page, you can see a donation link as well as checking the show notes. Um, That helps me to be able to create more content and... It just is a great way to show me that you care, that you enjoy the listen. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Make sure you're following me at Jazz Lead on Twitter. I appreciate everybody for listening, and it's going to be an incredible weekend of sports.